Hey, we're going to wrap up this Tree of Life series. Uh, for the last six weeks, uh, I'm going to end it today. Ben's going to kick off a new series uh, next week. But we, we've been working our way through this metaphor. Well, the Bible calls it a parable that compares two different things. And we've been comparing. Jesus did this all the time. We've been looking at something that a guy named Paul did. But we've been com- comparing a tree, a fruit tree, a healthy fruit tree. We've been comparing that to our lives as people who claim to follow Jesus. All right? Uh, uh, and we've been asking this question over and over and over. It goes like this. What would my life begin to look like? Like if I was really connected to and rooted in Jesus, all right? What would my life, what would be different about my life if I really, and you, you understand the metaphor, right? If I was really connected like a vine to a branch, like, like some, some, a tree has its roots sunk deep into something, what if I was sunk deep into and I was connected to Jesus and he was living inside of me, all right? What would my life look like, right? And the answer is my life would start to change, right? There'd be some change in, in my life. Jesus said this, you will recognize a tree by its what? Fruit. I mean, if you see an apple tree, you go, mm, there's apples all over that tree. I, I'm going to go with an apple tree, right? And it's the same thing as, as, as with Jesus. He says, you'll recognize, you know, my followers by what's coming out of them. Things will change in their lives. And, and, and change takes time. We, we get that, all right? But, but the actions and the behaviors, they're different than when we weren't rooted in Jesus and when he wasn't flowing through us. We, we would begin to be described by the same words that describe Jesus. That's just what happens, right? I mean, if, if you're rooted in Jesus and growing in Jesus and Jesus is flowing through you, if you're an apple tree, apples come out. If, if you are rooted in Jesus, Jesus, Jesus comes out, right? Which brings me to, to this, this last word. There's nine words that describe this fruit of the Spirit. We've, we've worked our way through eight of them, all right? And, uh, and, the, and these attributes are, are, are recognizable fruit, growth, change in a person's life. And, and all these words, when you look at them, they all, they all describe Jesus. Let, let me just say this really, really quick, all right? Because uh, we're going we're gonna to end this series today. I, I think this is the most important talk of the whole series. And here's, here's why I know that. Last, last night here at, at, at Lafayette, all right, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Everything that could get in your mind going, what did he say? I can't even hear him. We messed up this. This was wrong. This was wrong. I think it's so important. If you lean into what, what God's going to teach you today, it will change your life. It'll change your family. It'll change your heart. This is the one that's going to be the toughest, though. Just, you might want to leave now. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's, it's going to get really, really rough. But we're looking at this fruit of the Spirit of Jesus living inside of us. Let's just go through it one more time. This is, again, we've done this six weeks. We, we, we should have this memorized. But anyway, let's just say it out loud together. Here we go. One, two, three. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now again, all those words describe Jesus. This is, these, we become more and more like that. We begin to change more and more like that. So we're gonna get to, today we're gonna get to self-control. And it's my favorite one. I actually had so much fun studying this. Let me just tell you, it's not because I have it. It's like, nailed this one in spades. I got it, I'm self-controlled. No, not at all. Um, uh, I, because here's the thing. So last week I talked about this. Is that sometimes the English language is kind of lame. It doesn't really get, you know, describe stuff. So you have to go back to the original language. So I did that with the word self-control and it's awesome. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, the lights are gonna go on and, and you're gonna look at that and go, nailed it right there. Okay, so, so here's the Greek word for self-control. I know I've got really good books. I'm not really that smart. But look at this, all right? Self-control comes from the Greek word egratia. I can't even say it. Egratia, all right? And here's what that that Greek word can be translated. If you have different versions of the Bible, you might have any of these words in there. It's all the same, though. You could could translate it temperate. You could translate it self-control, which is what we're doing. Or or look, it can be translated continence. Okay? You know where some of you are going. 
Oh, I think I know where he's going. Now, here's the thing, all right? Whenever you look at words like that, you go, um, I, I don't know, what are you talking about? Sometimes if you take those words and lay them beside the, their opposite, like you go, well, it means this, what? I'll, the opposite of it would be this, oh, all right? So let's just do that, all right? The opposite of temperate is intoxicated, all right? If you're not, if you're not temperate, you're drunk, all right? You're intoxicated, you're an addicted victim, all right? It's excessive, like it's way too much. That's the opposite of temperate, okay? So... The opposite of self-control, and this is so obvious, but we, when, you, when you read it, you go, whoa, I never thought about it like that. The opposite of self-control is controlled and enslaved by something or someone else. If you don't have self-control, that means somebody else controls you. That's called slavery, right? Okay, so <laughs> here's, here's a good one, right? The opposite of continence is incontinent. It literally means inability to control your own bladder and bowels. And I love that, all right? I do, I, I love that. Because if I was writing the Bible, and we're all glad I'm not, but this, this, this verse would be in the Bible, and it would go like this, without God's Spirit leading me, and I clean this up for church, just so you know, right? Um, but you know what I'm thinking. Without God's Spirit leading me, my life is a total crap show and consisting of one stinky mess after another. I look at that and go, yeah, that nails my life, all right? And some of you are going, that's offensive. Oh, just wait. I'm just getting warmed up, all right? So, and some of you are getting, you know what? I <laughs> it's gonna be a good day. I'm going on vacation right after the church today. You won't see me like August. And uh, maybe you'll forget by then. But anyway, so, 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 so those are the words, all right? You have, you have temperate, you have self-control, and you have continence, all right? And so here's what I wanna do today to see if we are self-controlled. Because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. If Jesus lives inside of us, then we, we begin to become self-control. And so anytime that I say, you know, self-control, here's what I want you to think, all right? I'm rooted in Jesus. He's living inside of me, right? And now I choose what he says is right, true, and good. I choose. You know why? Because I'm self-controlled. Other people don't choose what I'm going to do. Other people don't choose how to, what, how, what I'm going to be. Other people aren't, aren't, they don't mind. No, that's other controlled. I'm self-controlled because I'm rooted in Jesus. He's flowing inside of me, all right? And so now I choose. I choose what Jesus says is right, true, and good. So here's what I want to do, all right? L last week we, we picked out five areas of life. This was our homework last week, all right? Five areas of life for you to look at and go, I just want to look at that different than I ever have before. God may be wanting to do something different in my life. Am I willing to do that? Right? That, that's what the, 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 the homework was last week. So I want to take those same fat, five categories of, uh, of life, and here's what, here's what the question I want to look at, all right? It's the question we've been unpacking for the last six weeks. What recognizable fruit or difference has my being connected to and rooted in Jesus and his spirit living in me changed how I'm living my life? So, so I want to look at the five areas of life through the, through the filter of self-control, and what's changed since I started following Jesus? You know what? If you, if you, if you don't follow Jesus today, you get a pass, if you've if you only been following like five minutes, all right, just pay attention, okay? But for those of us saying, you know, I've been following Jesus for, for a while now. So as we go through these, these five areas of life, when it comes to self-control, what's different than before you were a, a follower of, of Jesus, all right? So, so let's just look at this first one, okay? Like sexuality, okay? This is one of the ones we looked at last week. And here's what I mean by that. How you determine your worth or your value as a man or a woman. You complete a sentence. I'm a good man of this. I have value as a woman as this, all right? Or, or your, the, how you express your sexuality. The images that come to mind whenever the, 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 you, talk, you think about sexuality, the whole area. Would you, would you describe that part of your life as self-controlled? More so than before you followed Jesus and continuing to grow, 
right? Because things, things are changing, all right? What do you mean self-control in the area of sexuality? I'm rooted in Jesus. He's flowing through me. And now what comes out of me is I choose, in terms of my sexuality, what, what Jesus says is right, true, and good. Or are you maybe, I don't know, addicted, I'm a victim in that part of my life. I'm excessive. Every time I go on a date, I go too far. And then you know what? I say, that's the last time. And I put up boundaries and they last until the next date. Because I have no self-control. I'm enslaved by someone else and I can't control it. Somebody else tells me if I'm a good woman or not. Or if I'm worth having. I don't get it from Jesus. I get it from him. And him and him and him and him and her and her and her and her. And her, and her right? So, so, so sexuality, just put it through the filter and answer that. How, how about this area of life? Um, your relationships. Pick out the two or three most important people in your life. And last week what we looked at is the impact of, of, your, of our conceitedness because we all battle it. All right? Being me-centered. All right? Or, or the competition, trying to, 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 you know, to win every, every battle. And then we're just jealous of people in our life. How has that affected the most important people in our lives? When it comes to the most important relationship in your life, are you self-controlled? More so than you used to be. What do you mean? I'm rooted in Jesus. He's flowing inside of me. And in terms of the most important people in my life, my wife, my husband, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my friends, whatever that is, my kids, my parents, yeah, I'm choosing Jesus more and more and more and more. What he says is right, true, and good. Or are you a victim? Are you excessive? Are you enslaved by someone else? I can't control it. Or do you enslave other people in your friendships? Some of you don't have friends. You know what you have? You have, I don't know, um, pawns, slaves. They can be your friends as long as they do what you tell them to do. And some, you know what? Some of you will do anything to be somebody's friend. You don't choose Jesus, you, cho- you choose the approval of other people. I, I, I battle it all the time. How, how about this? Um, our health, and I'm talking about our physical health, and this is, it gets more and more intrusive the further we go, but, but we're all addicted to stuff. You know, we say, I, I'm gonna try to really battle that, but we don't. And then we have habits in our life, we make choices, decisions, things we have to change. I need to do more of that, I need to do less of that. Do you have self-control when it comes to your body? I got Jesus. I'm, I'm rooted in Jesus. He's flowing inside of me. And I'm going to choose what he says is right, true, and good with what I do with this body, all the parts of it. Or would you look at your, what goes on in your body and go, no, I'm addicted. It's excessive. I'm enslaved by someone else and I, I can't control you. Sometimes we look and go, you know what? I, somebody else owns me. It's out of control. I, I eat too much. I don't eat enough. I go to the gym too much. I should go to the gym. Whatever that is, is, is you look at it and go, I don't know. I, it's, it's just all over the map. How about this, our emotional life? Here's the truth, okay? We looked at this last week. All of us have stuff that we could look in the rearview mirror of our life and go, that hurt, right? We all have things that have hurt us and wounded us. We all do, right? And it marked us and it changed us, all right? But some of us, some of us, it still owns us, all right? It changed us, but somehow it says it has the right to define the rest of my, of my life. So the question we asked last week was, am I a victim of my past or am, do I agree with Jesus that I'm more than a conqueror and I'm a new creation? So in terms of your emotional life and all the messages and tapes that play in your head, do you have self-control? What, what do you mean? I'm rooted in Jesus. He's flowing inside of me and I choose to believe what he says is true about me, not what my ex-husband did to me or my ex-girlfriend did to me or what my dad did to me. Or what that person did and said, this is what you're worth and this is all you'll ever be worth. That's not true because I'm rooted in Jesus and he's living inside of me. I, I control my life. I choose what he says is right and true about me. Or how about, are you a victim of your past? Is, are your emotions all over the map? It's like, I don't have a governor. I just, whatever I feel, it comes out. And if you're in front of me, you just get flattened by it, all right? Because my emotions are all over. They're excessive. I'm enslaved by someone else. You know what? Some of you, some of us... <laughs> We're slaves to people, the people that hurt us. They've been dead 10 years and they still own us. They, they, they still get, get to tell us, you remember, 
Remember what I did to you and how much you're worth? And we still believe it. Are we victims or are we self-controlled? I choose. I choose. Because I'm rooted in Jesus. And this is what he's telling my heart. And now what's coming out of me is I, I choose what he says is true and right and good. Not what they did to me. All right? Or, or how, how about this one? All right? The financial life. Your, your, your financial world. All right? Look, look think of the priorities. Like the, the most important thing that gets my money, I point my money as this. I have choices. I, I can point my limited dollars. I can put, point them there or there. The balance of, of what I do with my money. Like, like most of my money goes to that. And then some of the money goes to this. The, the, the debt load that you carry. And in terms of your financial world. All right? Um, are you self-controlled? More than you used to be. Meaning this, now that I'm rooted in Jesus and he's flowing inside of me, I'm doing things different with my money than what I did before. It's just different. Or are you addicted? Are you a victim? Are you, are you, are you just like, it's out of control. I have this much money coming in. I have this much money coming out. All right. I'm enslaved by someone else. What do you mean I'm enslaved? Um, Chase. That's mine. That's my master. Uh, uh, so, uh, right. And, and he said, well, I can't think of anybody. Well, open up your wallet. There's a whole bunch of plastic in there. It goes, we, I own you. Right? I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just true. Now, now, look at all that, okay, in terms of self, self-control. Right? Now, of those five areas of life, if you were honest, as we worked our way through those five, all right, um, the, the, the area or the one where the most energy came up, and, and you're, spinning, you're sitting here right now going, well, I don't, I don't want to think about that, or I, I don't, I, I, that's not really important. Let's talk about something else. But, but any of the words of the fruit of the Spirit should or shouldn't apply, you know, you say, can we just not... Yeah, you're probably right, but let's don't talk about that. The area that causes the most energy for you is what? Money. Money. You go, no, no, let's talk about, let's talk about my ex-marriage, my bad one. Let's talk about my addictions. Let's talk about, but let's don't talk about my finances, right? I mean, when asked how rooted in Jesus and claim to have his spirit living in you and changing you and, and being the driving force in your life, if I ask this question, how is any area of your life recognizably different and better than someone who has, has no connection to Jesus, no relationship with Jesus, or your life before you did, you know, you might be able to point to any one of those other four areas and go, uh, well, like, like the sexuality one, uh, like I'm, I, so I believe that um, I'm a good man. I, I believe that my worth as a woman is, you know, is better than it used to be. Or, or like relationships, you, uh, if say, how, how's God changing? How's the presence of Christ changing your relationships? And you go, you know what, I'm, I think I'm more loving. I'm trying to be more patient with my kids, I'm, with, my, you know, with my ex, whatever that. I'm trying to be a more loving person, right? How, how's Jesus changing your emotional health? Well, you know, last week, you, you brought up a lot of stuff in here. And so I, I called my counselor. I had a, two appointments this week. She says, I'm, I'm making progress. I, I feel some more joy. I feel some peace in my life. That's, so, so she says, I'm better. You know, if all those four, the first four that I talked about, if I said, what difference is Jesus making in your life? However you'd answer him, I'll just be honest, whatever you'd say back to me, it's all subjective. It's all subjective. I mean, how do, you say you feel more loving and joyful and peace. How, how do you know? I, oh, I have more confidence as, uh, in who I am as, as a man, all right? I, I keep telling myself, I'm not my past. I, I'm who Jesus says, and I have faith in Jesus, and in my heart, and in my mind, and, in, and, and I just feel, and I just believe, and I just think, right? It's all subjective. You know what? And I hope all of it's true. I hope you feel better. I hope that you have confidence. I hope your faith is, is growing. All, all that, I hope all of it's true. Um, let's talk about money. Let's talk about money, all right? And he, so somebody just went, oh. see, see, this is why I should have come to church. It's Father's Day. We should have skipped today, right, right? So, so some of you are going, I think he's going to turn this into a money talk. I'm not. A little bit. Uh, <laughs> this isn't, a, we're not going to talk about money. We're going to talk about faith. 
And this is why you're feeling the most energy right now, all right? Here's what, Jesus taught over and over that his biggest competition for your faith, for what you put your trust in to take care of you in your biggest time of need, if something happens down the road, all right, you know, the thing you're going, should I, should I put my faith in this or, or in Jesus, all right? Look, look at this, Jesus' biggest competition for who and what you trust to take care of you, it's not Satan, right? It's money. Money is Jesus' biggest competition, Right? See, I, I, I think I can speak for Jesus here. Here we go, all right? So I don't think Jesus is in heaven right now worried about how you're gonna spend your afternoon. Meaning this is that, well, they came to church on Sunday, but I think they're gonna go worship Satan later today. Anybody? <laughs> Last night we had a couple. They were, oh, all right, but anyway, no. No, that's not what we're gonna do. We're not gonna, you know, I, I, I went to church, had Father's Day lunch, and then I went and worshiped Satan, killed some cats. It was a good day. All right, whatever that is. And uh, that would kind of, never, never mind, uh, um, Money is, is his competition for, for your faith, all right? I love Jesus and I, I, I trust him as long as I have a big pile of money just in case he doesn't come through for me, right? Which is why Jesus taught about money and what it can and can't do in a person's life, ready for this? More than anything else he talked about in the Bible. More than heaven, more than hell, more than love your neighbor, he said, I wanna talk about your money. Some, somebody, if you have one of those Bibles where all the, the words of Jesus are in red, Count them up sometime. Count how many red words are in your Bible. Because one out of six are about money. Because Jesus knew. Hey, listen, here's, here's the biggest deceitful thing you're gonna have to wrestle with through your life. You're, you're gonna try to have to figure out what you need to do and what you need to have in order to, 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 to get by if your life kind of hit, hits a wall. And, and you're gonna say, I, I, need, I, I need a little bit more money, all right? So until I finally have enough. You know, if someone had said, how much is enough? How much is enough money for you to have to feel safe? You know what your answer will be? Every time. How much, money, how much money do you need to feel safe? The answer is more than I currently have. You can be a billionaire. I just need a two billion, all right? Or you can have $10 in the bank. As long as I have 12, I'll be fine. Whatever that is, the answer is always I need more. But what's gonna happen is you're gonna get to a point in your life going, okay, money, take care of me, and it can't. It can't. Now here's the thing, if, if really pressed, most of us say that loving Jesus and being loved by Jesus and being saved by Jesus and being rooted in Jesus and having the spirit of Jesus flowing through us and out of us is the most important thing, especially when it comes to, to those areas, sexuality, um, um, health, emotional health, uh, the mo most important people in, in our life. And most of us say that, yeah, um, that should probably apply to, to our money too, but none of us wanna look at our money life, our financial life and ask this question. Ready for this? Does the way, this is so this is so intrusive. Does the way that I earn and choose to spend my money line up with a life that claims to belong to Christ Jesus? Does the way I spend my money, does it line up with a person that says I'm rooted in Christ Jesus? Does it, does it line up? Or how about this? Does the way that I spend my money, does it line up? Is it, is it consistent with a person who says I have the spirit of Christ Jesus flowing through me and, and out of me? None of us wanna look at that. Because you know what, it's not, sub the way you answer, it's not subjective. You can't answer that question with any, any phrase that starts with this. Well, in my heart, okay. Well, I just feel like, that'd be like going to the, to the you get hauled in front of the judge, you know, about custody for your children. And it goes, you know, um, so your kids are starving to death. And you look back at the judge and go, but in my heart, I fed them. It's like looking at your, at your husband or wife going, in my heart, I'm faithful to you. But when I'm out of town, not so much. It just doesn't hold water. 
See, it's very, very, very measurable. See, Jesus said this a whole bunch of different ways because he talked about it all the time. He said, let's just cut right to it. For, look at this, for where your, what's that word? Looked it up in the Greek. It doesn't mean your values and your character and your, and your integrity. That's not what we're talking about. Those are very valuable things. That's not what he's talking about. For where your, let me just translate it. Money is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is very, very clear. If I want to know what you love, look at your money. Because they're always in the same place. And then he goes on and he says this. And we all know this is true because we've tried it before. No one can serve two masters. And what, I mean, what he means by this is serve a master is this master controls my life. You can't have two masters. You can't have two people telling you this is what I'm telling you to do. Especially if they're different. And we all know that, right? We've had bosses. We've had two bosses at work before. You don't know who you work for. And it's a miserable job. Some of us, we, you know, you're, you're negotiating that split custody thing. You spend this weekend at dad's house and this weekend at mom's house and then vacation's here and then Christmas here and stuff like that. And you get over to this house and she's trashing him and you go over to his house and he's trashing her and you just look at caught in the middle. You know what? You, you kind of hate both of them. You get it. Because you're like, who am I supposed to listen to, right? Jesus says you can't serve two masters. Here's what will happen. Either you'll hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll, and, and you'll despise the other. And then he just lands a plane. Look at this. You cannot serve God and Satan. Not, not what he says. Of course he can't. But we sure try to serve both of these. I want, I, want, I want to run after God and I want to run after money. I, and I want to make sure both, both, both are in place. Jesus means this. Money is the number one revealer of what you love, what owns and controls you, and who you serve and call master. And it is not subject, subjective. Well, how do I know? How do I know I serve Jesus and, and not money? All right, here's assignment number one. All right, take a picture of this. Although you don't have to, you're going to remember it. If you want to know who's your master, all you have to do is look at your bank statement and it will be obvious what you love and what takes the highest priority in your life. It's right there on your computer screen. You can get your phone out right now and you just scroll. If I get boring or you don't want to listen anymore, just scroll through. You'll, you, you see, I must love that a lot. That, that must be really, really, really important to me. And I get it. You look at my bank statement, it'd be the same way. See, we would say that love and faith and worship and service to Jesus should make a recognizable difference in every part of our life. But why is it that we get really defensive or deflective when Jesus says, I want to talk about your money? This is one of my things I do every quiet time, every day. Now, I read something in scripture and then I'm wrestling through it. And then my friend James in Mexico said, uh, hey, Jim, what would Jesus say to you right now? Ah, I hate that question. Right? Why is it that we get defensive or we don't want to think about if Jesus had a conversation with us about our money? Some of you are sitting right now going, I hate it when, when they talk about money in church. When again, if you're honest, all right, getting money took up most of your week. Right? I mean, you spent more time going and earning money than you did with your wife, your, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your kids, your parents, or whatever that is. You spent more money. Go and that's not a bad thing. It just, it's a thing, all right? And, and let's be honest, all right? And the thing that stresses you out the most, right, is money. The, 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 the number one reason you have fights at your house between your parents or, or between your husband, wife, whatever that is, all right, is, is over is, is over money. And it's not, what are we going to do with all this extra money? We're not fighting about that. Anybody have that fight? Come see me after church. All right, all right so uh, no, no, no. Every, it's like I have this much money and there's this many things saying, give it to me, give it to me. But we want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it, even though it's the most tense thing. It's the number one thing that causes divorce in America. You say, well, I thought it was affairs. No, 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 it's money. It stresses us out. So let me ask this question. What is different? 
This is really intrusive for me. What's different about the way you point your dollars now that you're rooted in Jesus than if you weren't rooted in Jesus? What's different? And again, if you've been a Christian five minutes, don't worry about it. But, but some of us, we've been a Christian a long time. We're rooted in Jesus. He, we say he lives inside of us. He saved us. He forgave us. We follow him. We love him. We you know, put one hand in the air, some of the songs, all that kind of stuff. He, he, I'm rooted in him. So what's different in the way you spend the money? Or this is how Ben said it. He taught it a few weeks ago. He said this, how's the spirit? And, and if you're a Christian, you have the spirit living in you or Jesus is a liar. Because he said, when you, you put your faith in me, my father will send his spirit to live inside of you. So how is the spirit changing? And change takes time, but you've been a Christian now for a, a while, all right? So how's the spirit changing? And the Bible word for that is sanctifying. So how, how's the spirit changing the way, right? What do you mean the way? Recognizable fruit, recognizable difference that you choose to spend your money. And don't say, I don't have a choice. I, ha- I have to do that. No, you don't. So how, how's, how's the spirit changing that? And we don't like that question because it's, it's measurable. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling or a, well, I think or what? No, no, no. If you want to know where the priorities in your life line up, all you have to do, right, is, is pull up your bank statement and compare it to a year ago. That's, do that. Okay, all right, so, so when you get home today, all right, uh, everybody goes to bed, you know, you get out your laptop, get in front of the computer, pull up your bank statement and look at the last couple months and then go back a year or two and then compare them. What's different? You know, you, you look at it and going, you know what? If you would have looked at my bank statement, uh, if, if you would have told me my bank statement would have stuff like this on it now, I'm spending money on stuff like that. Like I give money to fathers in the field and, 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 and people in Afghanistan. And, and, you know, my heart started beating different when Jim talked about Musana because I'd really like to do that. And, and those are all there. If you would have told me five years ago that that would be on my bank statement, I would have said, you're crazy. And if you looked at my bank statement five years ago, well, I don't, I don't want you to. I don't want you to know what I spent my money on five years ago, but things are different. And how about this? You look at your bank statement and, and your heart beats different about Fathers in the Field and Sozo and Musana and, and all the different things that we do all, all, all over the world. And there's part of you going, you know, I want to do that someday. And then you look at that. No, every month I have those, that, 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 and that payments. And I can't. I can't because all my money goes right there. So I know you're having a lot of conversations in your head and I'm not even going to check email this week, so just so you know that. Um, so a lot of you are going, so what, what, are you trying to make me feel guilty that I spend money on stuff I like? Are you, are you saying I should feel bad that I want to go on a nice vacation and kind of upgrade my car and get a better house? No, no, no. A week from now, I won't be here. I'll be on a beach in Cancun with my wife, all right? I'm all for good vacations. I really, really am. And I'm not taking my kids this time. And I'm, it's just, I'm just going. So there's nothing in the Bible that says, Jesus looks at him and goes, you know, if you really love me, you know, you'll, you'll wear really ugly clothes and you'll live in a really crappy house and sit on the floor because you don't have any furniture because you gave it all to the poor. No, that's not, not true. That's, it's just not, it's not in there, all right? It's just not. Jesus talks not so much about what you should or shouldn't do with your money. Much more, he talks about the priorities. Do anything you want. But before you get to that, there's this other thing you need to take care of first, all right? This shows, listen, I'm lined up with Jesus. I trust him. This is Jesus talking again. He says it this way. He says, so don't worry. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? We just stop right there. Go in peace. Don't worry. All right. All right. All right. No, no, listen. Do not worry, saying, and this is our whole week, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Or how am I going to pay this? And can I get the kids in school? And I got a league coming up and I got a tournament over here. And how, how am I going to get all this done? All right. So don't worry, saying, what shall we do? All right. And here's why. For the, what's that word? 
pagans, all right? And pagan is simply this. I'm not rooted in Jesus. What are you talking about? I'm not connected to Christ. I'm, I don't have Jesus flowing through me. I don't know if I want to, all right? Uh, so, so, so people that don't, aren't connected to Jesus, they run after all these things. But your, I love this next one, all right? But your heavenly father, it's Father's Day, he's the best one. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. What's them? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? And where will we live? And how are we gonna do this? He knows. See, we have this illusion that Jesus is in heaven going, oh, my bad, I forgot you, you need to eat food every day. Sorry, you know? He's, he knows what we need. He knows we need a roof over our head. He knows we need to send our kids to school. He, he knows all of that, right? He knows we need him, all right? So not against that. But seek, what's that word? First, all right? As in first priority. So you have, you have to get all those things in your life. You gotta make money. You gotta feed your kids. You gotta go do this. You, gotta, you, gotta, you wanna go on vacation. All, nothing wrong with any of those things, all right? But seek first his kingdom, what he's doing in the world, and his righteousness, and all these things. What things? All the other stuff. All the other stuff that you need to do in your life, he says, will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Here's an understatement. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Right? Each day has enough trouble of its own. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, you're going to get out of bed. Well, you're going to walk out here and get in the parking lot in a minute. But then tomorrow, you're going to get out of bed. And you know what? There's going to be a list of things that say you need to worry about this. You need to worry about this. And what are you going to do about this? And you, what are you going to do about this? All, all, all this list is going to come up more and more and more and more and more. Right? Jesus is saying your responsibility is keeping him first priority and believe that he loves you and he'll take care of you and all those other things. Seek him first and all the other stuff he'll take care of, right? So really, we kind of, I'm, I'm working my way to the end here. We started with an example of, of fathers in the field of what it looks like and I wanna end with, uh, in just a minute, of, of what it looks like. But the reality is, when, if you're rooted in Jesus and he's flowing in you, all right, and, and, and you do or don't have self-control. There are really two choices. If you're flat on, this is what we always say, there are two deals on the table, right, when it comes to you and whatever you choose to do with the money you have. And I'm not, when I say the money you have, I mean currently. I'm not saying, well, I'm supposed to get a raise next year and then things are gonna be different. Yep, you don't have that raise yet. You might not get it. Well, if things were different in my life and my husband would you know, give, give me the payments and the child support and all that, then things would be different. You know, I don't know if he's gonna do that or not. This is your life. Right? Hopefully it'll change for the better, but no, I'm talking about currently, all right? So here are the two deals on the table that all of us as followers of Jesus, this is how we run our life. The first one looks like this. We trust God first, and then we use money to join God in furthering his plan first before we get to our plan. So my first thing is I trust God, and then I leverage whatever money I have that lines up with what he says is important, right? Or, so that's one deal. Or here's the other one. We trust money first, and then we use God to try to further your plan above and before his plan. Now, listen, you're gonna get to his plan someday if there's ever any money left over. Just by show of hands, does anybody have any money left over? Yeah, me either, all right? Uh, bo boil it down. Trust God first, use money. Trust money first, use God. That's our life, one of those. And Jesus said one of those works, one of them doesn't, right? Jesus said this, God can be trusted, God cannot be used. But we sure try sometimes, don't we? He also said this, money can be used, but money cannot be trusted because it'll, it'll bite you. So I'm almost, I'm almost done. I have some questions when it comes to your financial world, all right? And this is between you and, and the Lord. You're not gonna write anything down or commit to anything, all right? But uh, look, just again, you know your money situation. So my, here's my question. What are the first priority things that get all your money? 
Like you're thinking of it right now. It's like when you get that paycheck the next Friday or whenever you get it, the first thing I've got to do is what? What is that? I don't know. How about this? What choices are you making as to where you point your money? Going, no, no, no. My money is all committed. I'm not talking about your house payment. You're locked in there right now, right? Or your car payment. I'm saying, you have, you have some money going, I can do anything I want with it, all right? So what, what, what are you choosing to do with that? And, and if you look at how you spend your money, what's the balance of what God cares about and what you care about? And there's nothing wrong with spending money on what you care about. I have a lot of hobbies, probably too many, all right? I'm getting new ones all, all the time. I don't think God's saying you have too many, my wife says I have too many hobbies. But I think God's going, ah, knock yourself out. But I have to keep that in balance. That, I, that might even be true. God may be going, no, no, stop doing all that stuff. But what, there's a balance there that you gotta take care of. Or how about this? And this is really, uh, this, we're gonna get to it. What financial debt do you carry from past decisions that have no current value and now cause more pain, and happy, more pain than the happiness and joy that you mistakenly thought they would provide when you bought it? You, you went shopping for happiness. You, you thought, oh, this, is gonna, this is gonna do it. This is gonna make me feel good about my life. And you bought it, and now you have payments on it, and you don't even own it anymore. It got thrown away, but you still have payments on it, and it didn't deliver. And, and I'm president of your club. All right, so, so, so I, I wanna tell you a little bit about my, my story. Here's, here's the thing, and we're gonna go a little bit over time, so if you go get your kids, you, know, you blame, I, I'm gonna go get my kids, I don't hear more about money, okay? So, so here, here's my story. So I'm, I'm, the, I'm the pastor of this church, camera people, I sat down. I'm supposed to warn them. Uh, um, so the pastor, I've been a Christian since I was eight. I got baptized when I was eight. My dad's a pastor, my grandpa's a pastor, my mom's a church organist. I'm churched, okay? And uh, I don't remember not believing in Jesus. I, I don't remember ever at a point in my life where I go, I'm not, root, I'm, I, no, I, I'm rooted in him and he lives inside of me. I didn't follow him, you know, especially in college, but I, that's another sermon. But uh, so I, I, he lives inside of me. Can I tell you what the number one, and Jesus told his parable about a thorny vine that wraps itself around you and, and just chokes the life out of you so you don't bear any fruit. Can I tell you what that is for me? Money. Stress, I'm stressed out over money. So I, I gotta be careful about this. So, some, you know, so my wife had a good friend of her commit suicide a couple weeks ago, and it's, it's devastating, right? But I, I, I get it sometimes. I, I know it's like to drive down the road going, I don't know what I'm gonna do, and you wanna hit the gas pedal because there's a tree right there. And you just, it'd just be easier. You ever been there? And money does that to, to a lot of us. It's like, how am I going to do this? How am I, I'm disappointing everybody. I'm letting everybody, everybody down. So this all came to a head. So about eight years ago, um, I've been here a little over two years at Flatirons. I'm the pastor of this place. And we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to do a fundraiser to raise this building, which will lead to campuses and stuff like that, right? And, and so we're thinking, that, I'm thinking about my talk I have to give, you know, to get you all to give money to this building so we can all come in here and bring our friends bumping into Jesus, all, all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm in my family room with my wife, Robin, and I'm sitting on the couch watching TV and just out of the blue, I kind of, I kind of look around and go, hey, hey, babe, you know, we probably need to get back to tithing. And she said, what do you mean back? I went, huh, let's watch TV. And, uh, uh, <laughs> This thing gonna go well. Oh, I didn't say anything, right? She goes, well, no. she turned the TV off, all right? She goes, what, what, what do you mean, back? And I said, well, you know, things have been tight. And uh, we're a little behind on some stuff, so I haven't really been, you know, giving our offerings. And she looked at me, and I knew, well, oh, here we go. She said, um, I trusted you. What she means is I, I trusted you to be the spiritual leader of our home. Hey, it's Father's Day. Dads, this is what we signed up for. I'll provide, I'll protect I'll lead our home spiritually. And I didn't do it. And I'm like, you're right. 
I asked for her forgiveness. And in, that, in my family room, I repented. I, I got to rethink this part of my life. And that doesn't change anything until you get up out of your chair or off your knees, whatever, and you make a strategy. Something has to change in my life. Because I cannot come up here on the stage and talk to you about what you ought to do with Jesus. And I'm a total hypocrite. And so I went to our elders and I went to, uh, eventually I stood in front of the church. You can go back uh, eight years ago and it's on, online. Uh, and I said, hey, I, I, need to, I need to get this figured out. And if I don't get this figured out, you should fire me because I'm not a good leader. So what's the strategy? So I went and I sat down with Michael Kane. Michael Kane is our financial uh, uh, officer here at, at, at the church. His, by the way, I'm gonna bring up some stuff and you're gonna sit there and go, me too, me too, right? So I went and met with him. His email is in, on, in your program. I highly recommend this. Leaders go first. I went first. I fell on my sword. I took a box of stuff in there. I, don't, I wasn't even organized to have files. Who does that? Files. I don't know. All right. I just had this big box of, 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 of bills and stuff like that. And I dumped them out and I said, that's it. And the word incontinent nails it. <laughs> I took a dump on the table. Here's my life. You know, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I was like, so let's just look at this because I didn't know what I owed. And so, so I'm not counting. I had two house payments because I had a house back in Kentucky I couldn't sell. And I had two car payments on cars that were less worth less than I owed. Let's just leave those over there. Let's just talk about, I had 26 uh, college loans. Um, I had um, uh, credit cards that were all maxed out. And I had some other stuff that I don't want to tell you about. But anyway, um, if you add it all up, it was somewhere between 150 and $200,000. That's more than I make. And I'm like, whoa, what am I going to do? Let me tell you what it really came to a head is I was driving down Highway 7. This is one of the times when I wanted to drive into a tree honestly. So um, my daughter was uh, in, in college and uh, she had one semester left. I went, no problem. On the phone, driving down Highway 7, I called Nelnet. All you college families go, oh, we know Nelnet. All right. So I called Nelnet. I said, hey, I need, I need one more semester. I need $9,000. And he said, Mr. Bergen, you're, you're done. You're tapped out. What? Well, how much can I get? None. What? Yeah, your credit's it's done. But, but, I, but I got one more semester. I'm uh, sorry. So you know what I did? I, I went home and I found a drawer and I reached in a drawer and I found an old credit card that didn't have anything on it because I didn't know it was there. <laughs> and I went to the bank, I went to Chase Bank and I got a $9,000 cash advance on a Discover card at 33% interest. <laughs> I can't hear the other campuses, but did you just sigh too, you know? Because I felt a lot of judgment there, you know? And, he said, some of you are going, oh, good. I only have 7,000 on mine, and that's great. <laughs> All right, right, I, um. <laughs> you think it's funny over there, yeah. Um. So, so we made a plan. You know what? The moment I made that plan, my debt didn't change at all. And it, on that plan was brutal. <laughs> the, the best thing I can compare it to is that, men, you're going to get this, that first doctor's appointment after you turn 50. It's like Moon River, right? That's the whole thing. And uh, it's very intrusive, all right? And so, I mean, so much so that Michael put Robin and I on a budget and the budget was very, very, very tight. And so I would get an email from Michael every once in a while that says, hey, uh, I noticed Robin spent $35 on hair products. What's with that? And I'm like, you have no idea how much she spent. So that's a nothing. That's just on that hairspray. No, but anyway, um, and Robin, I go, hey, Robin, uh, Michael says you spent $35 on hair stuff that wasn't in our budget. And she'd go, she would go off. She would go off. She was nothing like our Lord Jesus at all. <laughs> she, she called on his name, but it was different. And uh, she didn't like Michael because uh, he was Satan. And uh, I mean, it was hard 
It was embarrassing. It was humbling. Um, so about three years ago, so that means it took six years, I got out of debt, right? And uh, let me tell you why. I, so I, I, my debt is gone, except for my, 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 my house and, and my truck. Uh, but... Um, so my, 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 my dad is gone. My giving is up. See, Robin and I, we, we actually believe in the concept of tithing. We give 10% of our gross back to Flatirons. And then we give a lot to other people, to missionaries. There's some people going to Afghanistan on a trip here shortly. We're going to give them some money. Uh, some people go to Musana. We give, we give them some money. My friend Joaquil runs, you know, Sozo. I, I have a monthly thing to Sozo. All, all that kind of stuff there, you know. So my giving is up. And, uh, uh, and, and my confidence as a husband and a father and a pop-up, I'm a, I'm a pop-up. I didn't know, if, all right, I got four. I got one more on the way. Ben figured something out. Way to go. Uh, so, uh, um, I, and I have more confidence as the leader of this church because if I can't go first and humble myself, how can I ask you to follow Jesus? And so um, my old pastor said this. Um, my old pastor said this. Uh, he said, you know, whenever I talk about money, you know what happens? I went, offering goes up. He goes, well, not always. Baptisms do, though. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Well, let's just think about it. If you'll trust God with your money, you'll trust him with everything. Right? The two most important things in your life are your family and money. And you need money to take care of your family and to make sure that everything is taken care of. So if you can trust God with both of those things, what, are you, what else are you going to hold back? And some of you are going, you know what? So is this it? Is this when you say, hey, you should give you know, a big guilt trip and a big ask and you should give money to, to flat irons? No, yeah, yes uh, and no. Uh, here's what I'll say. I, I don't know if you should give money to flat irons. I, I can't think of, I've been in a lot of churches. I can't think of a better church or ministry for a person to leverage their dollars more than what God's doing here at Flatirons. And without hesitating, I would say the best thing you can do with your money is invest it here, all right? Some of you got, I got burned by my old church. Well, then come in and audit our books. They're open. Where all the nickels and dimes go to, all right? You, you, can, look at all, you, can, you can look at all of that. We get audited by an outside organization every year. So if you don't trust us, whatever, okay? But let me, I think it's the best place you can use your money, all right? But if you don't trust this place, don't use, I don't trust churches. That's why I don't give anything to anybody, don't, don't try to rationalize that with anything else except this. And this is, what, this is how Jesus would describe. He described these two boys that stood up and had a fight over money in the middle of one of his sermons. If you say, I don't give anything to anybody. If I'm an apple tree, my apples are for me. I don't, give, I don't help anything else. I don't care if it lines up with Jesus or whatever, right? This is how Jesus would describe you. You're a greedy, selfish person who has no self-control. Really, I mean, that's it. I was a very greedy, selfish person. I, I, I could rationalize in my mind, I could do other things for a living besides work for a church and I could make more money. So really, the gap between what I'm making now and what I could be making somewhere else in fantasy world, that's my gift to the Lord. And you, you do some version of that math in your head, right? It's just, it's just true. So here's your homework, all right? Homework goes like this. Um, what would Jesus, if you were sat down with Jesus, today when you go home and you were flip open your laptop or whatever and you started looking at your finances and you looked over and Jesus was sitting in the chair beside you and he is and he pointed to the screen, what would he point to? Hey, let's talk about that one. He may be really proud of you. Way to go. That's, let's do that more. Or really? Really? What, what are you really shopping for there? All right. Uh, second thing is this. Um, this. This is really, really embarrassing. Uh, and, and it's really, ah, your pride just gets trampled on. You gotta humble yourself. You gotta humble yourself because pride is gonna sink your family. And it's gonna sink this marriage like it did the last one. And it's gonna ruin this relationship with your kids because your pride's going, I'm not gonna admit it. I'm just gonna keep my head going down and keep going. And then you have to confess your, what's the next word? Confess your what? 
we can call it whatever we want, but this is what God says is right, true, and good, and I'm going to do that. That is called sin. You've got to confess that, and then you've got to crucify anything that's holding you back from Jesus. And you know what I'm talking about, and you're having a panic attack right now because what you're going is, if I, if I let go of that, and if I crucify that, and if I get that out of our life, that means what? What? See, I'm just talking about young parents right now, okay? I don't know when our world decided that all kids have to play 17 sports and be in the elite level and travel all over the world to play soccer or football or baseball or cheerleading or blah, 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 right, right. And you know what? You can't afford it. So you just keep on swiping cards. Because here's what we're saying. But, but, but they'll be so disappointed and, and all the other kids at school are doing it. All the other kids at school, their parents are broke too. You know that, right? And they're running up the credit cards. One out of seven houses on your street miss one paycheck and they're going to foreclosure. Just so you know that. So here's what I think. But if I, don't, if I don't pay for another baseball tournament, another cheerleading tournament, another whatever tournament, here's what you fill it in. They might not love me. No, no, listen, no kids stop loving their parent because they couldn't go to baseball camp. There's a whole other list in front of that. And most of it is we never spend any time together. And that's free. Right? Last one. All right? Trust God, use money. All right, that's it. Let's just say that out loud. One, two, three. Trust, use, now some of you are like, oh, no, no, no. Say it louder. One, two, three. Trust, God, use money. So here's what I'm going to do. This is an ask, and you don't have to do this, but I'm going to ask you to, all right? I don't know where you give your money to the things of Jesus here someplace else, but let me just talk. If you give, if you give money here, all right, um, give more. So good. I don't give any, so more is not anything, all right? Give something, all right? Now, here's the, here's the agreement I'm going to make with you, all right? And that's a percentage. If you throw $5 or whatever you have, change you have in your pocket, come on, all right? Meaning, choose a percentage. I make $100, I'm going to give $2 out of every 100 or $5 or $10 or I don't know what you're going to do, all right? And here, here's the deal I'm going to make with you. Do that from now through the end of July. And if the end of July, you look back going, I, I didn't feel God's presence in my life any different than before, then you call Michael Kane and say, I want my money back and we'll give it back. Right? So here's the deal we're making with you, all right? So trust God, put him to the test. If he doesn't show up, you get a money back guarantee. Find me another church that's willing to do that. Now, listen, okay? One is don't, don't, don't call Michael and win. I gave $1,000, it was cash. Eh, really? <laughs> Ananias and Sapphira got, they, they, uh, they're in the Bible, they lied and they dropped dead. I'm not saying that'll happen. We'll give you your money back. Right now, put God to the test. See if he shows up in your life. We, in the last three or four years that I've done this, I, we've had one lady call the church and go, hey, I want my money back. God didn't show up. We gave her money back. And then she died. And so I... Um, <laughs> I'm not even gonna tell you if that's true or not. <laughs> so what happens when, when people say, I'm rooted in Jesus, he's flowing through me, and this is what it looks like in my money in my money life. One of the things is little boys get dads. That's one thing. Let me tell you another thing. Hey, Cole, come up here. So um, uh, I have a goal. I have a vision. I have a mission, whatever that is. I think I've got 10, 15 years left in me, and then they're going to say, you should go to your cabin now. And uh, <laughs> I want to look back and say, God, I did everything I could and used everything available to them, everything I knew to reach everybody in Colorado that needs to know that God didn't hate them. Right? I, I want to plant campuses all over Colorado, all over the country, all, all over the world. I, so, so you want Flatters to be famous? No, I don't care about that. You know what? I want, I, I want Jesus to be famous. 
I want people all over Colorado. You know, if you were a company, you, you wouldn't, I don't know what, we have 18, 20,000 people. How many people are in Colorado? In terms of market share, we, we haven't touched it. If you were a company, you'd go, how can we get most of the people in Colorado? What? Hearing about this Jesus that loves them. And until I die, that's, that's what I want to do. So we're going to plant campuses, continue to plant campuses over and over and over and over again. A couple of months ago, I said we want to go north and we want to go south. This is Cole Willard, all right? Cole is going to be the campus pastor of our new church down in Aurora, which launches on September the 10th. So give it up for Cole. Here's what's funny, all right? Some of you, some of you went to high school with Cole, and you're like, Cole Willard? <laughs> I thought he was in prison, and uh, yeah, it's possible. It really is. It is. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, yeah. uh, so, so uh, Aurora. So down here in Aurora, we have a lot of people that come from Highlands Ranch area, and and and, and all, all the way down to the Springs, and then all the way out east, and and, and all this uh, Parker area. So we're going to rent out. Uh, we're, we're going to rent out Cherokee Trail High School for a couple of years until we get a critical mass there on uh, on August, uh, July the 9th, which is like. Three weeks from today, yep. right? We're going to have a barbecue down there at, at the high school. And if you like go, my sister lives there. Or, you know, we drive, all, we drive right past there to get to, you know, the Denver campus or whatever that is. Then, then, then come and check that out. And then you can get online too, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Front page of the website. If you want to find out more about that, you can, you can, do, you can do that. Listen, Cole, Cole came on staff with us several years ago as an intern through our college ministry. And then uh, I, I'm, so, I, I'm so proud of him. And if, if you are thinking about, I, I might go to that campus, this is, this is gonna be your pastor, and this is who I would trust as my pastor. And, I mean, look at him. I mean, uh, <laughs> he's got the right head, you know, and uh, I'm trying to coach him and get him a little bigger like me, but anyway, <laughs> but uh, no. Hey, um, hey, let's stand up. I, I'm gonna ask Cole to pray. Um, Fathers in the fields out there in the lobby, uh, ask Jesus what he wants to do different in your life, Put him to the test over the next, uh, you know, six weeks and just see if he shows up and, uh, and then just keep going, all right? So Cole's, Cole's going to pray for us. We're going to sing one, one more song and then we're going to get out of here. Have a, have a happy Father's Day.